Have you ever tried to accomplish a personal goal or chase a dream that you wanted to make a reality only to find out that it was going to take longer and be more difficult than you ever could have expected? Maybe you counted on certain opportunities, but they never came. I know I have. So what do we do when our dreams don't exactly go as planned? It's hard to stay motivated when you're getting tackled by obstacles while trying to chase that dream. My guest today knows exactly how that feels. The Tennessee Titans and the St. Louis Rams, Super Bowl 34 underway. Towards the end of the first half, I got hit, broke a rib or two. I don't care what I've been through, I'm going to be out there playing. Kurt's the only one I'm really concerned about. Yeah, he's tough, he'll be all right. Warner, back to throw, under pressure, throws the end zone, touchdown Rams, Torrey Holt. Couldn't ask for a better script. Let's go win it right now. Let's go win it right now. Kurt looked at Isaac, basically told him I'm coming to you. First and 10 from the 27, Warner back to throw, rainbows the far sideline, and it is caught by Isaac Bruce, makes a move to the 30, 25-20, and they won't catch him today! Yes. Touchdown Rams! I'm not sure many guys are going to stand in there and take the shot he took. One play, one play. He told me this week he was going to have a big game, and how about that for a big game? Congratulations. My guest today, Kurt Warner, had a remarkable NFL career. Two-time league MVP, Hall of Famer, and too many passing records to list. Warner also led his team to a Super Bowl victory, and he's still the only undrafted quarterback in NFL history to do so. But before Kurt Warner could throw a touchdown pass, he had to first figure out how to get off the bench. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how to handle setbacks, how to measure success and failure, and most important of all, how to develop a mentality for excellence. I'm Anthony Robles, and welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast. What does unstoppable mean to you? Unstoppable is just a, is just a mindset and a way of life. I think it's just uh, not being, being afraid to fail. Relentless. I can accomplish anything I want to accomplish. When I set my priorities right, when I walk with God, and when, again, I, I live with that mindset, being the best that I can be at every moment. I think there's nothing more powerful on earth than the human will. Anthony Robles has shown us that impossible is nothing. Anthony Robles is a national champion. You're listening to The Unstoppable Podcast with Anthony Robles, brought to you by Safe Street. Please welcome today's special guest, Kurt Warner. Hey everyone, before we start this episode, I'd like to take a moment to recognize our sponsor. Today's homes are getting smarter, and so are today's homeowners. When it comes to protecting your home with the latest smart home technology, the smart choice is Safe Streets, the only ADT authorized provider in the country. To schedule a free home security evaluation, call 844-980-SAFE. That's 844-980-7233. All right, Mr. Warner, how are you doing today? I am doing extremely well. Excited to, uh, to catch up again and, and to talk a little bit. But, but amidst all the craziness, uh, overall, me and the family are doing really well. well. I'm so happy to hear it, and I know you're a busy guy. So it's just an honor for, for me to be able to speak to you today. So thank you for just taking the time out of your schedule. Uh, my, yeah, my pleasure. Um, you know, as much as I, uh, you love doing this stuff and, and connecting with guys and, and talking about positive stuff, 
I'm the same way. So uh, I appreciate you reaching out and uh, and making me a part of uh, the beginning stages of your podcast. <laughs> yes, sir. I mean, you have such an incredible story, and you're, I really wanted to start from the beginning. Can you tell me a little bit about life before football, where you're from, and what family life was like? Uh, so I, I grew up in uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So I'm a, a Midwest guy. Um, you know, didn't grow up with with a whole lot. Not a lot of amenities um you know lived in a, a small little house next to a fire station um you know back in, in cedar rapids you know again life was simple uh you know so much simpler than oftentimes uh it is now for me you know it was my mom and dad were divorced at a young age so it was um me and my brother i got a brother that's about 15 months older me and my brother and my mom for the most part you know seeing our dad occasionally um you know on the weekends or uh, you know, here and there at different events. But uh, again, it was a simple life. We didn't have a whole lot. And so I think that's one of the reasons that I gravitated to sports is uh, the beautiful thing about sports is all you need is a ball, right? Uh, you know, all I needed was a ball and a wall, uh, whether I was shooting baskets against a wall or, or pitching nine innings against a wall or throwing the football up on the roof and running around and catching it. You know, that simplicity of life and not having a whole lot uh, kind of lent itself to you know, to those things that were easy and easy to acquire. And then, you know, I, I think the other part of it was that I always felt like I was good at, it, right? From an early age when I started playing, uh, it was something I gravitated to, something that I had a feel for. And I think something that, you know, I gained recognition for very early in life. And, you know, like most of us, you know, really no matter what age we are, but especially when we're young, when you feel like people recognize you for something, you kind of gravitate to that or you want to stay in that space. And that's really how sports developed for me was there wasn't a whole lot else, um, you know, and it wasn't anything else that it wasn't necessarily great in school. I wasn't really creative. Um, so that was kind of the one thing that I had that I hung on to. And it was easy to practice on my own and to get good at it. And um, so it gra I gravitated towards that at a very, very early age and developed the dream of, of playing professional sports. It wasn't necessarily football at the time because I, I played everything. You know, I, I did everything. You know, I tried, tried wrestling for a couple of days. That didn't last. I broke my finger in the second oh, wow. day of practice, so I went back to playing basketball. But outside of that, um, <laughs> you know, I did you know, soccer and, and baseball and basketball and football and you name it, um, I did it. And, again, because I gravitated and I felt I was good at it, I developed a dream early on that I wanted to play professionally. I can relate to you just about that simplicity of sports. And, you know, that was one thing growing up, my family didn't have much. I had three brothers and a sister. So we were just playing together and same thing, playing soccer, football, baseball, basketball, and then wrestling. I felt like it was just my outlet, you know, to show what I was capable of in life. And so you mentioned, you know, wanting to play professional sports. When did you like officially decide that football was what you really wanted to focus on moving forward to play professional? Well, actually, um, I would say I was kind of more forced into the, the, the area of football more than really chose it. Uh, and I say that because my first love was always basketball. I was a really good basketball player. I was an all-state basketball player. Um, so, so I had success in basketball. But when I got to high school, and especially, you know, as I got to my junior and senior year, you know, I was a, I was a power forward at 6'2", and good at what I did. But I knew that, you know, I wasn't going to be playing power forward in college if I moved on to play basketball. And so naturally, it simply became the lack of athleticism or, you know, whatever you want to call it from a basketball perspective. Um, I just kind of felt like if I wanted to play professional, if I wanted to, to move on and play at the higher ranks, 
that football just lent itself to you know provide a, a better opportunity to do that. And so uh, I didn't really get a lot of scholarship offers for football. I only actually got one scholarship offer for football, uh, and it was at a, a one double A school in Iowa. But I remember telling myself that, hey, it's a scholarship. I get a chance to get my education paid for and play sports. And then if I wanted to play basketball, uh, it was at a similar level that I felt like I could have played basketball too. So I considered that when I went there, like, hey, I'm going to go because I have a scholarship, help my parents pay for college, and we'll get that taken care of, still be able to chase after the dream. And then because I love basketball, that would be a possibility as well. But really it, it came down to when I looked at both of them and if I wanted to keep the dream alive, I wanted to go with what I loved more. I may have gone somewhere smaller and played basketball, but I still love football. I love to compete. And so I just kind of told myself, this is probably the better opportunity if I want to play professional. So let's explore that first and, uh, and let's see where it leads. Nice. Yeah, I understand what you're talking about there because I was a huge football fan growing up. So I played tackle football sixth through ninth grade. And I just remember, though, getting into ninth grade, I was a, they had me a defensive lineman. And I only weighed 90 pounds. <laughs> so that was like kind of like the crossroads for me. I was like, okay, you know, I, I like football. I really like it a lot. But I think wrestling is a better avenue for me to go to wrestle these 103 pounders, these small guys like me. But, you know, I think often in life, you know, sometimes when we plan something, you know, or we expect things to go a certain way and it kind of goes off, of course, that can often be a blessing in disguise. Would you agree with that? I don't think there's any question. Well, I mean, you know, being, being a man of faith, I, I often realize that, um, we never really understand our circumstances until we're, we're through them, right? It's hard to, to look when we're in something and see why exactly we're here or what we're learning or how this is going to help us advance in, in whatever they, way that is, well, you know, character or whether it's in your job or whatever. And, you know, and for me, you know, I had a long journey to get to the NFL and, you know, through most of it, it was kind of like, oh, why me? You know, why, why couldn't it just be easier? Why couldn't I just get get it like everyone else. And then you look back on it, you know, a decade later and you go, gosh, that was so needed, man. I wouldn't be the same person or the same player or, you know, have had the same success had I not gone through some of that stuff. But I think it gets really cloudy when we're in the midst of it, right? When we can take a 35, you know, thousand foot view on, oh, okay, now I see how this all played together. It's much easier. And that becomes the struggle, right? Is when we're in the midst of it, we don't see why. You know, why do we have to be here? Why do we have to go through this? But then we start to understand that once we work our way through it and we start, you know, seeing some of those breakthroughs and we go, ah, would I ever have been able to get here had it not been for struggle A, struggle B, struggle C, uh, that really helped shape me and, and you know, mold me into the, the person that I am today. I absolutely agree with you 100%. And you know, being a man of faith, I want to ask you more about that later on. But actually, something my pastor actually recently said during a sermon on Sunday, he said, you have to learn to grow through what you're going through. You know, when, when you're going through, like you said, we don't want to go through it. We don't want the hardships. We don't want the struggles. We think, why me? But that's what's going to make you stronger if you allow it, if you choose to embrace that and, and grow because of it. And it's like, you know, no one wants to have the losses, right? We always want to have the right. perfect record, but that's where you learn. That's where you get the opportunity to grow. No doubt. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to, to figure that out. And, you know, to share a story with you is that, you know, as I was chasing my dream, you know, things didn't work out in college, but I was fortunate to get a free agent tryout with the, uh, the Green Bay Packers. And so even though things hadn't worked out quite like I wanted to before that, I'm thinking, okay, here I am right here. 
I'm where I want to be. I can make my dream come true at this point in time. I ended up getting cut by the Packers. And that was when I did the you know infamous stint where I was working in the grocery store. And, you know, I remember that too, thinking, oh my gosh, how did I get here? Like, you know, a week ago, and I was this close to accomplishing my dream. Now I'm someplace I never thought I would be working nights, minimum wage in a grocery store with really no direction moving forward. And so my mindset really was, you know, kind of having a pity party for myself, like, oh, poor you, you know, it didn't work out. And now you got to be the guy that has to work in a grocery store. So that's where it all started. And then at some point I realized, okay, it is what it is. I'm here. I'm, I'm working in a grocery store and I don't necessarily see the road back to the NFL, but what's one thing that I can do or learn in this moment that can help me moving forward? <clears throat> so here I am stocking shelves. And I don't know if you've ever worked in a grocery store or anybody that's listening has worked in a grocery store, but basically the job of stocking shelves is, right, as people take the products, Every night they would assign us an aisle and they would fill the aisle up with a bunch of boxes of, uh, you know, product that, that, you know, needs to be replenished. And we would, we would stock the shelves. And then at the end of every night, our job was to do something that they call facing the aisle. And so what that is, is it meant, even though, you know, we had uh, stocked the shelves, it didn't mean every product was completely full from back of shelf to front of shelf. So what we had to do is we had to take all the product, no matter how many there were, were, and we had to pull it to the front of the aisle and we had to face it so the, the labels were perfect and, you know, the baby food jars were set up just perfectly. So everything looked pristine for that first person that walked down the aisle at five o'clock in the morning, you know, that would never notice it. But I remember telling myself, okay, I, I don't know how working in a grocery store is ever going to help me. But I remember developing a mindset of going, okay, I'm here in a grocery store and I promise you at the end of every night, before I leave, I will have the best looking aisle in all of Ivy. And like I said, I don't know if anybody ever noticed it. I don't know if a single mom that was, you know, had their baby with them, you know, at five in the morning would ever notice, hey, man, this aisle looks really nice when I walked into it. And they're just looking to get their groceries. But for me personally, it was a mindset that I started to develop to go, I don't care how small the task, and I don't care if anybody ever notices. If I do something, I want to be the best at it. I want to make sure that my life is surrounded with excellence. And so it was a little thing that I did in a place that I didn't want to be that would ultimately help shape the person that I was, the perspective I had for everything I would go through, you know, whether that was being in a grocery store, whether that was being a parent, or whether that was playing, you know, at the highest level in the NFL. I love that. Just that mentality, that mindset of giving your best, no matter what the situation is. And I mean, like you said, really, no matter what you're, you find yourself in, whether it's, it's in work, whether it's on the field, whether it's in relationships, if you have that mentality, you can, can be successful, you can be unstoppable in whatever you're in. I love that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, and, you know, kind of going back to your pastor, you know, when I gave my Hall of Fame speech, one of the, uh, the lines that I used was sometimes you got to do what you got to do while you're waiting to do what you were born to do. And I truly feel like that's life for most people. Very few people, you know, get the scholarship and they mm -hmm. play four years and get drafted number one and then they have a Hall of Fame career. It doesn't usually work like that. Most of us, sometime during the, 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 the journey, have to do what we have to do. We have to make ends meet. We got to take a job we don't want to take. We've got to, you know, climb the ladder to where we want to be. 
Um, and I really felt like that was kind of my journey that there were times I just had to do what I had to do um, while I was waiting and preparing for what I really felt like I was meant to do. And, um, and, and I think that falls right into you know, that theme that you're talking about is, okay, so you have to do it. How are you going to do it? You know, what are you going to apply to those situations that you don't want to be in, that you find yourself in, that you, you never thought you would find yourself in? What are you going to do with that? Because it may be that the other part, what you were born to do, hinges on who you become during that sequence what you allow yourself to do, whether you allow yourself to take a day off or have a pity party or, you know, blame someone else, or do you embrace that moment and say, okay, I don't know how I can get better, but I'm going to use something here to prepare me for what lies ahead of me and what I really believe that, uh, that I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. I love that. And I mean, just touched on that. And you mentioned the, just the grocery store, your time there, uh, you know, what did your, your typical daily schedule look like? Because, you know, you're, you're working at the grocery store, but then you're also trying to train and prepare for football. So you're, you're doing your best in all these different areas. How right. did your schedule look? How were you able to just, you know, pile everything in? Yeah, so, uh, so I was dating my, my future wife at the time. And um, for those that may know the story, Brenda was a divorced mother of two when I met her. And so uh, she had recently got divorced. And so she had actually moved back in with her parents. And so she was, she was, uh, from the same town that I was going to college in. And so what ended up happening is I ended up moving in with Brenda's parents as well. And so Brenda was going to, to nursing school at the time. I was working nights at the grocery store and then she had the two kids. So how it usually worked for us is, um, yeah, I would get home at 5.30 or 6 in the morning as Brenda and the kids were getting up. I would spend the day watching the kids uh, while she went to school. She'd come home in the afternoon. I would run up and get my workout in. We would do dinner together, and then I would go to work and work all night, uh, and then we'd do the whole routine over again. And so it was really just one thing to another, usually sleeping two or three hours during the middle of the day or, or you know, whenever I had some free time, and kind of the same for Brenda, and we were just kind of bouncing through that cycle. So I was helping her with the kids as she was going through school, her and her parents were helping me to have a place to live as I was trying to make ends meet and, and chase my dream. And, um, you know, it was a tough cycle. It was a busy cycle. Um, but once again, I think it, it brought us all together as a, as a family. And it also taught us a lot about, uh, about, you know, struggling through life and finding ways and, and battling um, and, you know, and growing together through that and, and being a support for one another, you know, with what she was going through, I was called, called upon to be a support for her and, and the kids. And uh, obviously with what I was struggling through, she was a major support for me as we tried to figure out life together. I think that's a key thing you mentioned there is just that support. And that's one thing I try to tell people is no one can get there alone. You know, we always, yeah. we always need someone to lean on someone to kind of help us through, but then also we have to turn around and help others out. You know, we have to give back and, and help support each other because that word unstoppable, it all comes down to just having that team around you, having those people that you can yeah. lean on and, and just support you and also learn from. No doubt. And, you know, and you know, too, it's that the greatest thing about achieving anything in life is about the people that you get to share it with, you know, and it's one of the things that, and again, different sports for you and I, it was one of the things I loved about football was that you could never have success on your own. And, you know, I often tell the young athletes that I work with that, you know, the greatest part about football is it's a team sport. And sometimes the worst part about football is it's a team sport because you're completely dependent on other people. 
But to me, that's what makes life great is when you can accomplish something special as a group and you've got people to be able to share that with. Um, I love that part of life. And so that to me is one of the most beautiful things about my story and being with Brenda is that we've been together through so much of this journey. It wasn't like I went through my journey and then I got to the NFL and she went through her journey and, and then we met, uh, you know, when I was in the NFL later on, man, we went through the struggles together and, you know, we battled together and we grew together. And so this is our story. You know, it's not one story or the other story. This whole thing has been us together. And that's been the most beautiful part of, of it all is that I know every day she's been there to share it with me, whether it's the tears or the joy, but that to me is what life is all about. And I'm so fortunate um, that I have been able to walk this journey or a huge part of this journey, uh, you know, with my best friend and, and wife. That's so awesome. And you're, you're talking about the, the struggles and just getting that through that together. Was there ever a point during your journey where you kind of felt like you were, you were hitting that breaking point, you know, like you were just kind of reaching your limit and you just want to just kind of give up on it all? Yeah. I mean, I think there was a couple moments where that, thought jumps into your mind. Um, you know, when I was in college, I ended up sitting on the bench for four years in college. And that was probably the most frustrating part of, of the entire journey was because I couldn't get on the field. And I also couldn't really figure it out, right? Like I, I was showing up every day and, you know, from my standpoint, I was the best guy for the position. Yeah, I thought I was more talented. I threw the ball better and I couldn't really put my finger on why in the world am I not playing? Yet I was stuck in that spot for four years of my life when you're trying to chase a dream, right? And you're trying to go, man, this is what I want to do. And I can't even get on the field to show anybody that I can play football. And so that was probably the most difficult time where I really thought, man, I, I got to do something different. Either I got to walk away from football or I got to transfer somewhere else. I, I got to do something different because I don't know how to move on. Uh, if I can't play, how do I keep this dream alive? And so that was one point where uh, probably the lowest point because I couldn't really grasp and get a handle on what I, what I was supposed to do, you know, where I was going to go and, and how there was any way to keep this dream alive. And then of course there were a few moments a little bit later on, you know, I ended up playing arena football and I ended up playing in Europe. And so there were some times I was, you know, 26 years old, 27 years old, and you're starting to go, okay, how many 27-year-old rookie quarterbacks has there ever been in the NFL? Not very many. So there started to be some moments where you're kind of thinking, man, I don't know how much longer I can really, you know, realistically hold on to this dream and think that it's a possibility. No matter how good I am, no matter whether I'm talented enough or not, wasn't really the question. It became the frustration of how do I get an opportunity? But the fact that I had never got the shot, really got a legitimate shot, that was what kept me going. Even when there was moments where I thought, man, is it time to give it up? Or, man, this is so frustrating. I just needed to know. I needed to have that, you know, clarification in my mind one way or another uh, that I got my opportunity and I either proved it or didn't prove it. And now it's time to move on and go forward. Uh, and fortunately, I got some some good advice and, you know, based on good timing, some opportunities presented themselves to me, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, it was touch and go at a couple of times throughout my career. 
Yeah, I, I can understand what you're saying there, just giving it a shot, you know, being able to walk away, but knowing that you actually had that opportunity and, and gave it your all. And that was something that I always told myself, you know, in wrestling. I was like, okay, I, my goal is to be a national champion. I was facing these setbacks. I wasn't getting the recruiting offers. You know, I was trying to gain weight. I was too small for a while, but I was like, you know what? As long as I can walk away knowing it, I gave 100% on the mat, yeah. I can be proud of that. I can be proud of the, the outcome because I knew I gave it my best. You know, and that's really all you can do in this world. You can't be afraid of the failure and, and let the setbacks go after, get you down. You have to go after it. And you know what? No matter what the result is, if you went after it, if you gave it 100%, you can be proud of that result. Right. Yeah. And, and I think too often, you know, because we use success and failure, um, you know, based on a scoreboard or based on, you know, an end result or the number of wins and losses. And, you know, I, I think, as you said, we should be able to, to make our barometer for success. Was I able to go out there and give it everything I had? Did I go out and compete at the highest level I was capable of competing? That should always be considered success for us. And you're exactly right. I mean, it's just, that's what you want to do is you just want the opportunity to go out there and give it everything that you have. And, and I think that's the one thing, you know, when I look back at sports, you know, isn't that the, that's the hardest thing. The hardest thing is not, how many times you give your best. It's those moments you go out there and you go, gosh, for whatever reason, I just didn't put my best foot forward today. You know, for whatever reason, I didn't play my best game. I don't know if I was distracted or, you know, I just, whatever it was. And that's what frustrates you as an athlete or really I think in life more than anything else is when you have opportunities and you don't give everything. Mm -hmm. It's okay for me to go out and give everything and lose. And I go, I had no, t I mean, whatever. The other guy was just better than me today. And I got to, you know, tip my hat and, and chalk it up to, hey, he won the day. But when you go out and you go, man, I don't know if that guy was better. I just didn't do my best today, you know, for whatever reason. Those are the hardest things in life is uh, is not doing that. So I just think, you know, I wish more in life we would, we would gauge success and failure based on you know, our mindset and, and, and what we gave and, you know, what we put into something as opposed to just the end result, which too often I think we get, we get caught up with that and think that that defines us as opposed to the mindset of the attitude that we have in attacking those different things. Absolutely. You know, I remember when I was in high school, my mom, she made it a rule that I could not get anything lower than a B in any class. She said, if you get a C in anything, I'm pulling you out of wrestling. And I always struggle with math. That was always the hardest thing for me. I just remember getting a progress report one, one semester and it was a C on it. There was a C on the, the report card. I'm like, uh oh, you know, I knew my mom was serious about it. So I, I bring it to her and, uh, you know, she sets up the appointment with the teacher to talk to him. And, and I was expecting her to take me out of wrestling after that meeting, you know, and she's like, you know, what? I talked to your teacher. He told me that you've been going in multiple times a week to get extra credit work, to get extra help. She said, I'm proud of you for putting in the effort. She said, that's all I wanted to see that you were giving it your best. And that just taught me that lesson. You know, it doesn't matter so much about the result. It matters, you know, that you just left yeah. your best on the table and just walk away with that, you know? Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think also, you know, setting the expectation, you know, right? Like for grades, I think it's easy to always set the expectation as, at, at an A. But as you were just saying, I probably wasn't an A student in math. You know, that wasn't my strong suit. I was probably a C student. So when we set our expectation realistically, I think that always helps too. But too often, right, you know, we're only going to set our expectation in one spot. We think we're supposed to always set it at an A. And a big part of life, I think, is also realistically looking at life, right? 
Mm-hmm. I could have set my expectation to run a four five forty, you know, every day because there was other quarterbacks that run a four five forty. I was never going to run a four five forty. <laughs> it didn't matter how much I worked. That was not in me. So now am I a failure because I didn't get there? Or was it just the wrong expectation? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great lesson that your mom taught you is that, yeah, she had an expectation early on that, like, hey, we get A's. You know, you're going to work hard and you're going to get A. And then she realized, hey, this isn't because of lack of effort. This is more because, hey, maybe that's just not his strong suit. And a C is the best that he can do. Let's be proud of that C and the work that he put in. And so I agree with you. I think that's a great lesson, but a great lesson on understanding the right kind of expectations for ourselves or to place on someone else. You know, I've got seven kids. And so uh, that's something that I got to manage all the time is it's easy for me to set an expectation for them based on what I want or, you know, what I think they're capable of instead of really stepping back and going, okay, in this situation, what is a realistic expectation? So they can be proud of what they do. I can be proud of them. And we can feel that together instead of making it feel like a disappointment because they didn't meet an unrealistic expectation. Yeah, exactly right. And I think, you know, like you said, the expectations is a key thing. And, you know, what we expect isn't the same thing as someone else. You know, our our level isn't the same as someone else's level. So we can't compare each other uh, to someone else. And uh, we have to set it on our own level, you know, and, and just gauge off of that. And as someone who, you know, had high expectations for yourself and, and who faced setbacks along your journey, who faced those roadblocks, what would you tell people who find themselves in a situation where, you know, they set this goal, but they aren't reaching it as fast as they expected? Maybe the finish line to reach that goal, it keeps getting moved, or maybe they just keep facing those speed bumps, you know, they keep facing those setbacks and it just start getting frustrating for them. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as I mentioned a little bit before, is I think realistic expectation uh, or a realistic viewpoint on life is always important that I think too often we're not honest with ourselves enough or, you know, we're not judicial enough to be able to, to kind of wade through things that happen in life. And, you know, what I would tell people is that to me, being able to be your best, accomplish your best, accomplish uh, a realistic expectation falls to inner confidence. It falls to understanding who we truly are as a person and and being able to stand within that. And so the reason I say that is because, you know, like, again, when you're going through a journey, it's easy to be successful and to read the press clipping and go, well, man, look, everybody thinks I'm great. I'm great. You know, I mean, hey, everything's going well. I'm winning. And it's, it's all good. What I think we always need to do is be able to take a step back and go, okay, yeah, I know the stats look really good, or I won a gold medal, or yeah, I know I just won the Super Bowl. But back to your point, am I doing everything I can to be the best that I can be? You know, don't let me define myself by, you know, the accolades or the awards that I get. I want to define myself by what am I doing on a daily basis to make sure I am living at my peak. I am living to my standard, you know, that I am, you know, trying to reach a realistic expectation for myself. And I think the same holds true on the other side. I think so often it's easy to, you know, look at, and again, we'll use failures or losses or, you know, people writing articles about you that, that, that are negative articles. It's easy to, to grab a hold of those things and go, oh man, I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough. And, and we allow those circumstances or those words to define us. 
And that's why, to me, I think it's so important for us to continually look inward at ourselves and, and, and realize who we are and what we're good at and what our strengths are and what truth may be in the good article, but what fallacies may be in that article, what truth may be in the negative articles, but also what fallacies may be in the negative articles. Because I think it's so easy for us to be kind of swayed like the wind, right? Oh, man, everybody says I'm great, I'm great, I'm great. Oh, everybody says I'm awful. Oh, my gosh, I'm awful. And we allow those things to define us. And so one thing that I always did throughout my journeys was I always tried to really take a realistic view of myself and not allow those circumstances to define how I saw myself. And so for my journey in football, I never once thought I wasn't good enough to play. I just realized, man, the opportunity is just not presenting itself to me for me to be successful. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying this episode. Before we get back to it, I'd like to take a moment to recognize our sponsor. I believe there's an unstoppable spirit in us all, but sometimes that unstoppable spirit should be stopped at the door. That's why I've partnered with Safe Streets to help stop would-be intruders and porch pirates from ruining your day. Right now, unstoppable listeners can get a free doorbell camera and $100 Visa gift card with new system activation and installation. Let Safe Streets help protect what you value most. Reserve your free doorbell and $100 Visa gift card today. Call 844-980-SAFE or visit safestreets.com slash unstoppable. So, you know, I'll take you through my journey a little bit because a lot of people, when they look at my journey, they look at it and they say, oh, he got one scholarship. He sat on the bench for four years. He got cut by the Packers. He worked in a grocery store. Then he bounced around in these other, you know, shoot off leagues and then finally got his opportunity to play. The way I looked at my journey was, yeah, I sat on the bench for four years in college, but I played one year in college. And that one year, I was the best player. I was voted the best player in our conference that one year. Yep, I got cut by the Packers, and I worked in a grocery store. But when I played in arena football, I played three years. We went to the championship game twice. I was voted the best player in the league the three years that I was in the league. Same happened when I was in Europe. So when everybody else was looking at these circumstances to define me, these negative moments to define me, all I did was go, okay, every time somebody's put a ball in my hands and I've had an opportunity to play, I've been successful. So there's not one thing somebody can say to me or somebody's not going to point to the fact, well, you're working in a grocery store, dude. You can't play football. That was never going to define me because realistically I looked at me when I played football. And when I played, I was as good as anybody at the levels that I played at. So why would I believe that if I get the opportunity in the NFL, I can't be just as good as anyone else because that's been my track record. But I think a lot of people would look at, well, I got cut. I sat on the bench, I worked in a grocery store, and you start allowing that stuff to shape how you view yourself. And I think that's the one thing of all the things that I went through that, that really helped me fight that battle and fight through those struggles was I realistically said, this is where I'm at, but this is not who I am. This is not, you know, this doesn't mean that's all I'm capable of because I find myself in this situation. Um, and, and I think that's really, really important along your journeys is to not allow your circumstances to define who you are truly be able to surround yourself with good people or be able to look internally and gain confidence in, in who you are and who god created you to be and what your gifts and talents are because we all have 
amazing gifts and talents. We just have to make sure we recognize them and then we focus our path around those gifts and talents. And so that's what I would encourage anybody that's going through those rough times is, man, take a step back and get away from your circumstances and, and take a realistic view of who you are, where you're at, back to what your mom said. Are you giving everything you can give no matter what the result is? Those are the kind of questions you ask. And if you're giving everything you have, and, and man, you, you are doing it as well as you possibly can, you should gain self-confidence from that that can sustain you through even rough periods because you know who you are. You know what to find. You know what's inside of you. And even in that, it, you gain confidence in going, okay, now I'm taking a hold of this. Now I'm not letting that stop me anymore, and I am going to run forward because I know what I'm capable of. And so it's all that stuff that builds you up internally to be able to battle all that stuff that's being thrown at you externally. Yeah, that's such great advice right there. And man, just the things that you're saying reminded me so much of just growing up because being born missing my leg, people were always looking at instantly what I was missing, right? What I yep. couldn't do, feeling sorry for me. And, uh, and so I felt like, you know, wrestling, it was my opportunity to show them what I could do, but still they're like, no, you can't, you know, you, th this is going to affect you, your balance, all these things. But what my coach used to tell me, he said, you have to focus on your strengths. He says, it's not about your weaknesses. It's not about what you can't do. You focus on your strengths and you build on that. You camouflage your weaknesses. And, yep. you know, that was the mindset I had. And that's what I took in my life. It's like you said, you know, you have to build yourself up. You're going to have the doubters and, and the outside uh, influences that might be negative, that might be uh, trying to bring you down. But it's all about yep. how you define yourself and how you grow from that and how you build from that. Yeah. I, no doubt. I mean, I, I don't know how closely you know my story, but uh, my oldest son, who's 30 now, suffered a traumatic brain injury when he was four months old, uh, is legally blind, and so has dealt with, you know, disabilities of different sorts throughout his entire life. And, uh, you know, we recently created a place called Treasure House, which is a community living facility for young adults uh, with intellectual and developmental disabilities. But that's one thing that we're always preaching too, is that we have seven kids, and all of our kids have disabilities, yet they all have abilities as well. And too often, when we use that label or we look at someone with a disability, like you said, that we can kind of recognize, we focus on that instead of turning it and going, well, hold on a second. Yeah, I understand there's some limitations there with whatever, but let me show you what this young man is capable of. Let me show you the joy that he brings. Let me show you what he overcomes on a daily basis that you know doesn't compare to what I've had to overcome. And so I, I think that's so important. And, and, fits that same mold, right? Is being able to have a realistic view of negatives and positives, right? Disabilities and abilities. Because I say that all the time is, as a quarterback, the first thing I have to recognize is what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses? What are my abilities and what are my disabilities? Because I've got both. You know, to think that I don't have any disabilities and I, you know, I'm great at everything would be a disservice to me because I need to play to what I am really, really good at. And so I think it's so important for all of us to recognize what those strengths are. And, you know, I often tell guys that I work with that in the off season, they ask me, what was my routine? I would always try to work on two things. The first thing that I would work on, and again, work on everything, but two things primarily. The first thing is what I was best at. So I always said, okay, this is what I'm really good at. I don't ever want that to diminish because I always want that thing to be able to separate me. Because that's one thing that I can do that very few guys can do. And then I worked on my greatest weakness. Because I always said, I don't want 
whatever that that disability or that weakness to be the liability that stops me from being able to accomplish my dreams. And so to me, it was important to recognize both and recognize how to work with both to become the person that we want to be. Because as I said, none of us are 100% complete in that regard, is that we're always going to have things that are strengths and things that may be our weaknesses. And how can we use both of those things to make us even better or more complete uh, as a person, as a player, as a wrestler, as a football player, whatever that might be? Absolutely. You know, it's all about how you bring those both those two things together and just use it to move forward in your journey. And I, I like to say as we wrestle with life's challenges, right? You're going to yeah. have the ups, you're going to have the downs, you're going to have the, the good, the bad, the challenges. How do you maneuver through that? How do you get the job done, get your arm raised at the very end? Yep, without a doubt. Without a doubt, I agree. But going back to your, your journey, I mean, do you remember that moment where, where you, you got that call that you were getting back into the NFL, that you, you were getting called back up to, to the Rams? Do you remember that, that, that one moment to where you're able to talk to your family and say, hey, you know, all this hard work, I, I get the opportunity. I get this chance to play in the NFL again. Oh, I mean, no doubt about it. I mean, I, you know, different opportunities, whether it was the tryout, because that was really what I was working for for the longest time, was just, man, I just want another tryout, another chance to compete. And so I remember uh, that. I remember the call. I remember where I was in my kitchen when I got that call. I remember how awful my workout was the first time where I thought I blew that opportunity. Um, I remember when they called and said, hey, we're going to sign you anyways. And then I remember the final part where I met Dick Vermeil uh, in the middle of the hallway at Rams Park in St. Louis, in which he told me that I made the team, you know, that, that I was actually, you know, going to get that opportunity to play, you know, or not even play, but to be on a roster and at least start the NFL journey. And so, yeah, I mean, those are vivid memories, you know, all across the board, um, you know, and things that, you know, ultimately would, would define me. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, that's the crazy thing my wife always says is how do you remember these things? Like you can't remember my wedding dress, but you can remember what yard line you were on in this game back in, you know, 1999 to throw in it. Like, and I, I don't know, but, you know, certain things, as you know, when it's in the grind and you're so focused on what you want to accomplish, mm -hmm. um, that you remember vivid details of moments that, uh, that end up shaping, you know, your career or your life or, or your journey in the ways that, uh, that those things did. Absolutely. And so what led to that, that opportunity to be the starting quarterback? Well, um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those you know, situations where I ended up getting my opportunity to start based on an injury to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you always hate uh, to get your opportunity or have it presented to you based on the detriment of, of someone else. And so that was a bummer because Trent Green uh, was the quarterback at, with the Rams when, when I got there and they had just signed him and he had been through a similar kind of journey up and down out of football and was finally getting his opportunity to do what I wanted to do. And then he suffered an injury and that's what presented me with the opportunity to start. Um, and so from one side of it, you know, you, you feel awful that, um, that Trent didn't get the opportunity to, to fulfill that part of his journey. But the other thing that you also understand is that that often happens in life that, you know, unfortunately you can't determine how you get an opportunity or why you get an opportunity. All you can determine is what you're going to do with that opportunity. And so um, that's how I, you know, looked at it. it was like, I've been waiting for this a long time. I've prepared for this. And it's not necessarily how I wanted to get the job, 
But now that I'm here, there's only one way that I can do this job, and that's go give it the best you can and and battle like you've always battled and let the chips fall as they may. And so, um, you know, it was kind of an up and down emotional moment, um, you know, knowing how it all transpired. But within that disappointment for my friend and Trent Green, there was obviously a level of excitement for myself and being able to get the opportunity to uh, to see if I, if I really could perform and play at that level. So we were talking about just the opportunity that you had to be a starting quarterback for the Rams. And in your opening game with the Rams, you threw for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and you became the first player in NFL history to throw three touchdowns in your first three starts, which is incredible. And then you make it to the Super Bowl. So how did your family feel handling that reality that you were about to play in the Super Bowl? <laughs> um, it was a crazy run. That's, that's for sure. Um, you know, it'd been such a long time getting there and then to have everything happen so fast. I think we were trying to play catch up the whole year. The easy part was the football part of it. Um, not to say that that was easy, but just that was the part that I felt comfortable with. Like, okay, I know how to do that. Okay. I, when I get between those lines for three hours on Sundays, I'm good. It was everything else, you know, the interviews, the media, uh, you know, everywhere you go, people asking for autographs and trying to, to figure out how to, uh, how to manage that, you know, especially with your family. You know, it's one thing when it's, it's just you out doing something. Uh, it's another thing, you know, when you've got a couple little kids and, and you're just running out to try to get a bite to eat and spend some time together as a family. And, you know, so it was, it was managing all that. But, you know, I mean, we, we always say that, um, you know, sometimes the difference between a burden and a blessing is, is just your perspective, hmm. right? And, and there's times that, you know, you're in the midst of this incredible run. And for some reason, you're sitting here going, gosh, why, you know, why do I have to sign autographs? And, you know, and it's like, really shut up and get to the back of the room. Are you kidding me? If, I mean, if that's as bad as it gets, you can handle this a little bit. You know, if you don't want to be, you know, asked for autographs, then just order in and stay in with your family. You know, that there's so many, you know, things that are so much harder in life, you know, but uh, you know what I've realized, and I'm sure you're the same way, Anthony, it's just kind of, you know, whatever you're going through or whatever your worst thing is, is the worst thing ever because it's all, you know, and so, uh, you know, as we were going through some of that stuff, you know, we were wrestling with, with it. But more than that, we tried to take a step back and go, come on, let's just, let's appreciate, you know, where we're at and, and the fact that after all that time and the struggles and the hard work that, that we finally made it. And we'll figure out a way to kind of wade through all of these different things that we weren't prepared for. Um, and, and we'll figure that out. And so, you know, it was such a whirlwind that, I think it was really hard to, to grasp a lot of what was going on because it was happening so fast. And so I'll, I'll never forget that, you know, after we won the NFC championship game and uh, we went back to our house and, you know, Brenda and I are just kind of exhausted from the, the entire run and, and all through the playoffs, the playoffs was crazy because, you know, only a few teams playing. So everybody wants to come in and interview you and the weeks are long. We just kind of look at each other through the mirror and kind of go, we're going to the Super Bowl. Like it was the first time that it really just kind of hit us through all the exhaustion and, you know, the, the long journey and the run of the whole season it was the first chance we had to kind of sit back, take a moment and kind of realize, you know, what we had accomplished together and where we were at and where we were going, you know, cause it was like a dream. If you dreamed up, I mean, it couldn't have played out any better. And so that was our moment in which kind of, 
God got us to go, okay, stop for a second, you know, stop and smell the roses, stop and see what's going on around you and really take it all in because it really was a special place and time for, for us as a family and, and really, you know, the team that we had in St. Louis. And so I think sometimes in life, you know, things like that come and they come so fast that we never get a chance to truly enjoy and reflect on the moments we have until they're gone. And then it's like, oh man, I wish I could have held on to that a little bit longer. So that was, you know, we didn't get a lot of chances to do that, but that was one moment where we did sit back, um, you know, and take it all in and, and take a moment to really appreciate uh, what that last four or five months that had been like for us. I think that's some great advice right there. Just taking a moment to appreciate the moments that you are in, you know, because I think a lot of times in life, we, we tend to grind and grind and grind for something. And then we're always already looking for the next thing, you know, for the next goal, for the next game, whatever it may be. So just to live in that moment and to enjoy the blessings that you have, uh, it's, it's a very important thing to do. Uh, you know, so you're going to the Super Bowl, you're getting ready for this game. Did you and your family, did you have any like big game pre-rituals that you would do just to uh, kind of like good luck rituals or anything like that? You know, I, I never had a lot of things that, that I did. You know, I never became one of those guys that was kind of superstitious with what I wore or how I put my clothes on or what, uh, you know, what I ate in a pregame meal. You know, I mean, I think we all have routines, you know, how we warm up before a game and when we get to the stadium and, and things like that. But, I, you know, nothing really. You know, I remember when I was playing arena football, my son and I would always go get a big cinnamon roll uh, the morning of the game. You know, we always played at night. And so that was a little ritual that we did. But again, it wasn't it wasn't anything that was kind of in my mind, like, oh, well, if I do this, I'll play better. It just became, hey, this is our routine that I take my son out and we spend a little bit of time together uh, before the game. So I was never that guy. Trust me, I saw a lot of that, <laughs> uh, as I'm sure you did, uh, you know, through the ranks and, and through the locker rooms of what people would do uh, to get ready for games. But, you know, I was never really you know, superstitious from that standpoint. It was more just, hey, have your routine, get ready so you feel prepared to play. Uh, but outside of that, I, I didn't have many superstitions. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm right there along with you. I never really had super superstitions, but my main thing, I would eat chicken fettuccine before every big match. That was always my, my main meal. But I had guys like, you know, they were the same lucky boxers throughout the season. Like, man, I hope you're washing those before <laughs> every week. You know, but I had guys that had these magic rocks that they would rub all over their bodies. I mean, <laughs> things that they would put under their pads. You know, they'd tape things under the. I mean, I don't know. You know, but we we are we're creatures of habit, and you know, I've seen it a million times that for whatever reason I ate you know, chicken fettuccine before this match. And I, and I wrestled the best match of my life. So I'm going to, I'm going to eat that every time for the rest of my life. And so I, I understand where they come from. Uh, and I saw a lot of crazy things. Yeah. Whatever works. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I was watching Super Bowl 34 against the Titans and I just remember you, you were taking some hits. And from what I read, you injured your ribs towards the end of the first half. Uh, mentally, how did you manage to, to tough it out and in order to perform the rest of the game? You know, I, I think, um, you know, when it comes to sports and, you know, really, I think there's a lot of things in life, uh, you know, just talking about the struggles that we face, right? There's a lot of times, you know, as we go through those struggles uh, that you have to do one of two things, right? You, you, you either get your eyes fixed on the struggle and, you know, you look at that around every turn and, and every day and, and every part of that struggle, or you get focused on whatever else is out there, the, the goal or the dream or what's next. And you're able to kind of push, you know, some of that, you know, that pain or, or struggle or whatever that is, frustration out of the way. And I think as athletes, you know, oftentimes 
you have to be able to do that, you know, whether it's you know, physical pain uh, or whether it's frustration of, you know, what's going on in a game up to that point, what's going on in the season up to that point. And so I just think that was one of the things that I was always really, really good at was being able to, to lock in and focus on, you know, whatever I chose to focus on. And everything else was able to disappear, you know, whether it was the 70,000 fans that were screaming at me, uh, you know, whether it was the interception I threw on the last play um, or whether it was something like that. Yeah, I broke a couple ribs uh, in the first half of that, uh, of that game. And, you know, it was just kind of like, it's a Super Bowl. And there was nothing going to stop me from being out there. Now I just got to compartmentalize that pain and focus on what is ahead of me. Um, and you just deal with it. And you say, you, you know, you'll deal with that pain or whatever that is at another time. And, and, you know, it's almost to the point now where my kids still joke with me because I could be, you know, on my phone sending a text and my kids could be over there, dad, 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 dad. And, and someone would have to come over and hit me. They're like, your kids are trying to get your attention, but I can get so locked into what I'm doing that everything else disappears. Um, and so again, a burden or a blessing, right? You know, when I was playing, it was a huge blessing to be able to, to tune that stuff out. Uh, now, sometimes my family looks at that as a, as a burden, you know, because, I, you know, I, I can be there, but not necessarily present because I can get so locked into to what I'm doing. Well, you got to get locked into your goals. But I mean, I, I'd say that that's definitely a blessing. That's something that I like to do as well. You just focus on, on what you're chasing. And when the pain starts to set in, I, I think about how good is it going to feel to reach what I want to get, you know, to reach that final destination. But I mean, looking at, at your journey, I mean, your football career, you had so many obstacles from not being highly recruited out of high school to having to sit on the bench for four years in college, not getting drafted to the NFL. The odds were stacked against you. You were able to persevere and become a two-time league MVP and win a Super Bowl along with being a Super Bowl MVP. What was the biggest lesson that you learned through, throughout the whole journey? Wow. Oh, gosh. Um, it's hard to, to put it into one. Um, you know, I think a lot of what we've been talking about, you know, this idea of circumstances will not define me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I think that was one of the greatest lessons I learned throughout the journey. <clears throat> you know, I, again, I've seen, I've seen so many people, you know, they get caught up in their circumstances and it derails them from, from being able to become what they want to become, you know, in whatever facet. Um, I think another great lesson that I learned is what it means to be a team player. You know, oftentimes when you're the guy and you're used to, uh, you know, to being, you know, the, the guy in the spotlight or the guy with the ball in his hands, you know, things can be pretty easy when you're used to, to that. And, you know, I had so many different setbacks throughout my career. And, and I think specifically to my NFL career where uh, where really I was I was benched three times in my NFL career. And you mentioned it, you know, played in three Super Bowls and won two MVPs. And you don't think about guys like that. Uh, as being benched three times in their careers. And, you know, I remember those moments of, of being benched. And I also remember the moment when Trent got hurt and I took over and how he treated me and what he did as a teammate for me. And, again, when I gave my Hall of Fame speech, Trent was the only uh, teammate of mine that I, that I pointed out personally. And, and I felt that was important because there's too many guys that helped along the way that I couldn't point them all out. But the impact that he had on me in a role of being a mentor and helping me, even in a situation where, you know, quote, unquote, I took his job or, or however you want to look at it, 
uh, I became the starter because of his injury and then I held on to that job. The way that he treated me and the class of character that he showed to really help me see what it means to be a part of a team. You know, being a part of a team doesn't just mean doing what's best for the team when it benefits you. It's doing what's best for the team regardless of how it affects you. And he taught me some great lessons on what it means to be a team player, what it means to be a leader. And sometimes you have to lead from behind. And, and I don't think a lot of people fully under, understand that or grasp that idea that leadership isn't just about the guy that's out in front or the guy that has a specific role. There's a lot of different ways to lead and impact people. You know, another great lesson, and again, I know you only asked me for one, but but life is so, so full of them. Uh, you know, I remember when I was in college, and as I said, uh, I, I was sitting on the bench for four years and thought I was the best player and didn't understand why I couldn't get on the field, what, what, I, what I was missing. So I had a friend of mine go and ask uh, the coaches. He was closer to the coaches, a little bit older, and asked asked him if he would just ask them, hey, what what does Kurt need to do? You know, what what is he missing uh, and why he's not playing? And I'll never forget that he came back to me and he said, the reason you're not playing, Kurt, is because you're not a very good practice player. And, you know, I remember thinking to myself, like, really? I mean, is practice, I mean, I know, yeah, practice is important, but is it that important? Like, <laughs> as long as you, you know, perform really well when the lights are on or, you know, when, you, when you're on the mat or when you're between the lines, is practice really that important? And I remember thinking that right off the bat. And then as I contemplated it more and thought about it more, you know, I got to thinking and I go, man, you know, college football, there's 10 times, 10 times in an entire year where I get under the lights, you know, in wrestling. I don't know how many times you get on the mat throughout the course of a year. You know, who knows? 30, 40 times About 40. on the mat. You know, in the NFL, we get 16 games under the lights. And so I started to realize, hmm, it, it's interesting. About 95% of our lives are spent in practice, you know, are spent when those lights aren't on. And we've got to show people who we are. We've got to leave an impression. We've got to let them know what they can expect under the lights by what we do every day in practice. I think about my kids, right? I'm trying to teach my kids, you know, how many times do I, you know, stand up on my soapbox and, and lecture my kids? Not very often, but I want them to listen when I do. But the only way for them to listen is for me to show them on an everyday basis who I'm going to be and what my expectations are, not only for them, but for myself, to hold myself accountable to the same things. And so, um, you know, it, it after a couple, you know, a couple days of, of, you know, throwing my hands up going, man, is this really important? Uh, I got, I came to understand the importance of practice, the importance of everyday moments where you may not think people are watching, or you may not think the masses are getting to see what you're doing, that there's always people watching. And we leave impressions and when we have impact on people in practice or in those moments, I would say more than we do even under the lights because it sets the tone for what people can expect from us. So again, I mean, I could, I could go on and on. I got all kinds of lessons that I've learned, that I learned along that journey, but those are a few that have really stuck with me and that I've tried to, to carry forward even after my football career has been done in the other endeavors and in life and towards my marriage and being a parent and all of those things. And that's incredible. That's some gold that you just shared right there. I mean, those lessons that, that truly makes you unstoppable and in anything you set your mind to in this lifetime, 
And, you know, just to talk about the journey, you know, I, I know we mentioned earlier about you also being a man of faith. And I was just curious, you know, as a man of faith, how did your faith and your relationship with God change or, or evolve along the course of your journey? Yeah, um, you know, I was raised in the church. Uh, so, so I had, you know, I had a background uh, in the Bible, I had a background, you know, when it came to faith and, and to Jesus. But I, I would often say that, you know, to me, for a big part of, of my journey, you know, God was like a spare tire for me. You know, he was in the trunk and he was riding along with me, but, you know, I never really went back there until I got a flat tire, you know, until you go through one of those struggles and things aren't going your way and try to pull out God, God, you you just help me in this situation. You just do this for me and, and blah, blah, blah. And so that was a, a big part of what my faith was. You know, I was fortunate that I had that background and that understanding, but it wasn't really a relationship. Uh, it was more, you know, I felt God was kind of there for me when I needed him. And, you know, as long as things were going good, he'll stay in the trunk. And then uh, then I pull him out just when I need him. And, you know, it wasn't until I, I met, you know, my future wife, met Brenda. Um, and, you know, she really started kind of hitting me with some of the tough questions on why I believe what I believe. And, you know, where did you read that in the Bible? And, and I had some other couple guys uh, with my arena team that started a, a Bible study and kept asking me to come and they kept hitting me with some of the similar questions that Brenda was on the other side. And so all these people kind of hitting me with these questions and I didn't necessarily have the answers to it. And so, you know, due to my competitive nature, you know, I thought oh, I'm going to shut these guys up. I'm going to go find these answers. So they can quit, you know, berating me with all this stuff. And so it was really the first time that I, you know, dove into the Bible and, you know, really started to, to read the words and, and come to a, a greater understanding of what it was all about. And the idea that it wasn't about God being there for me, it was about me being there for God. It was about me making my life uh, useful to him to have impact in that regard. And so, you know, we talked, you know, we already talked about just that idea of, you know, looking back sometimes at the journey and seeing why you needed to go through some of the things. And I really felt like, you know, the journey from, you know, from college all the way to getting to the NFL, that more than, you know, just a a journey and the struggles, it was really a preparation period for me, that God was preparing me for what was out there in front of me. And I wasn't ready to handle what was going to come my way. Had I made it into the NFL right out of college, I think, you know, my trajectory and, you know, the kind of impact that that I've had would have looked completely different because my perspective and my priorities were completely different at that time. So I really felt like those trials and struggles and setbacks and the long journey that it took was really, you know, kind of my, you know, wading through the desert or whatever you may say, the preparation period where God was really shaping who I would become and more importantly, shaping the relationship I had with him. And so you know, I look back now and I'm so fortunate that when I did get to the NFL, I was very grounded in who I was, what I believed in, and what I really wanted to get out of my career in the NFL. And that doesn't mean that I didn't want to be successful and I didn't want to win Super Bowls and and MVPs and be the best at what I did. Not at all. Those were all, you know, still goals. Goals that I had when I was seven or eight years old, all the way till I made it and, you know, till the end of my career. 
But there was always a bigger picture that, you know, in doing those things, I want to make sure that I reflect, um, you know, to, to my God and, and reflect to why I'm there and reflect to what's most important in life. And it's not, you know, the, the stats on the stat sheet or a, a score on a scoreboard. It's so much bigger than that. And, and it really helped me to focus and use my platform, I think, the best way that I could uh, as I was going through the journey. And so that was, you know, uh, again, I look back and probably the greatest blessing of all the things that I learned along the journey, the greatest thing or the greatest blessing was I got to develop it and, and, and learn what this faith thing is all about. And it, and it isn't about religion and it isn't about following rules. It's about putting God first. And, you know, my foundation, one of my foundations is called uh, the First Things First Foundation, based off of Matthew 6, 33, where it says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all this will be added unto you. In other words, God will take care of you if you continue to, to, to put him first in your life. And so that really just became a marker for me, uh, you know, as I, as I went through my journey and continue to go through my journey, that it's so easy to get our eyes off of everything else and put our eyes on ourselves. And, you know, it's not something that you learn one day and, and it's easy every day after that. You know, it's a struggle every day as we're trying to accomplish our goals and financially become set and, and you know, and reach the pinnacle of our careers or whatever that may be. It's so easy to get our eyes off of our, our faith and, and, and turn them on to ourselves and get focused there. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a constant reminder to me that, hey, you know, we're going to face some struggles, but just keep pushing forward and keep looking for God in the midst of those struggles. And, and I've always believed that, you know, I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to be better and I'm going to be more prepared when I get through them. If I'm looking at it the right way, as opposed to uh, getting stuck looking at myself and, you know, complaining or blaming or pointing fingers uh, or worrying about, uh, you know, where I'm going to go and whether I'm going to accomplish my goal or not, uh, as opposed to what can I do in this place right now? to have impact on my own life, but maybe more importantly, on the lives of others. Absolutely. And, and you know, one of the things that I really locked on to what you said is that relationship, you know, and that, that's the key word. It's a relationship with God. And I was kind of similar to where it's really, you know, when I find myself in life, I'm on my back. And I'm like, okay, God, where are you? You know, help me out, help me get back up. But no, it's, it's, it's a daily thing. You know, you have to keep that relationship going. And uh, what I have found throughout my own personal journey is, yeah, I, I've, I've faced those obstacles. And yeah, there's been certain times where I wanted something at that moment, but you know, our plan, it's not always the same as what God's plan is, but a hundred percent of the time, God's plan is always better. You know, it's like, I look back and like, man, I'm so glad it didn't go my way. I'm so glad yeah. I didn't get that. And, you know, like you said about the whole maturing and needing that time to get grounded. And that's something I'm, I've been dealing with lately as well. We're, we're getting ready to, to work on my movie. And it's like, man, I'm, I'm happy that didn't happen. You know, right when I got out of college, I needed time to mature and realize what the big picture was and what the importance of this, this was, you know, because it is yeah. about uh, bigger picture. You know, it's about, about that relationship yeah. with God and about sharing that positive message and reaching others. No, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, you know, remember for a big part of my journey, you know, from college on, you know, I would always ask the question, you kind of look out to God and go, God, why me? You know, why do I have to go through this? Why did you put me along this journey? Why couldn't I be that number one pick overall <laughs> and everything go my direction? And now I look back and I'm still saying, why me? But I'm saying it with a different <laughs> inflection, like, God, why me? You know, wh why did you choose me mm -hmm. to have this story? Because nobody else has this story. No one else will ever take this journey and end up 
where I ended up. And you said the same thing, you know, just last week, I read the script for a movie on my life. And so, you know, you're saying to yourself, and again, you got Tom Brady, you got, you know, Peyton Manning, unbelievable players, you know, some of the greatest players we've ever seen, but they're not getting a big screen movie made about their life. And not that they couldn't, but the point being is that it was the journey and the story that separates you, separates me. Um, and, you know, as we're talking about faith, you know, when you pick up the Bible and read it, that's what the Bible is. It's a compilation of stories of, you know, people like you and I that have gone through struggles and difficulties and have limitations. And yet, uh, you know, with hard work and perseverance and focusing on the right things and God coming alongside of them, they accomplished and did and impacted in great ways. And so that's how I look at it now. It's like, God, why me? Why'd you choose me for this journey? I mean, I, I don't want to give it back. Um, you know, you just sit back and you just have a different inflection on that same idea. And that to me is, is what I look at now. And you talk about God's plan being greater than our plan is, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe my plan worked out into a couple more Super Bowl appearances or, or another MVP. But at the end of the day, is that really what is most important to me? Is that really how I want to define myself? Or would I rather define myself by being able to touch the lives of more people because my journey was hard, because I went through some struggles, because it didn't go always go my direction? Um, and again, that comes back to that that faith perspective that for a long time I didn't have. Uh, and now I've been able to develop that. And that really becomes my focus in life is, okay, how do I use my journey, right? Just like everybody's got to use their own unique journey, but how do I use my journey to be able to impact people or allow God to be able to impact people with it? Yeah, you know, in, in our journeys, we all wrestle with our own challenges. And I think that's the thing that people can always relate to is that we do have our own challenges that we have to wrestle with. And now, I mean, in wrestling, we have this phrase, it's known as short time. And it's when a match or a period, it's, it's winding down, you know, there's only seconds left and we got to make something happen. So uh, if it's okay with you, Mr. Warner, uh, I'd like to wrap up this session with what I like to call the short time questions. It's just three questions and you basically just say the first thing that comes to mind. Is that okay? All right. I'll do my best. <laughs> All right. So first question is, what's your favorite inspirational book or movie? Uh, my favorite movie is Hoosiers. Um, and inspirational as well. You know, you talked about rituals earlier. I used to watch Hoosiers or at least a portion of Hoosiers before every high school basketball game when I was growing up. So huge basketball fan, love the movie about, you know, the, the underdog being able to accomplish things. So, uh, that was, that's one of my favorites. Nice. Next question. What's a motivational quote that keeps you going when times are tough? Oh, man, you know, you say motivational quote, I, I look more to the scripture most of the time. Um, and there's a scripture in Colossians 3.23 that says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as under the Lord. And so that's one of the things when I sign my autograph, oftentimes, I like to sign a Bible verse, uh, more as a reference to me to kind of remind me of where I am and what I need to do in life. And so that's one of those things. It's just kind of like be excellent in everything, set a mindset of excellence, no matter what you're doing, do it to the best of your ability. I love it. Final question. What does unstoppable mean to you? What does unstoppable mean? Unstoppable to me simply means that I can accomplish anything I want to accomplish when I set my priorities right, when I walk with God, and when, again, I, I live with that mindset 
of being the best that I can be at every moment. And when you, you know, say unstoppable, to me, what I think of is that I, I can have impact in every area of my life, that no one can stop me from having impact in my circle of life when I set those priorities in the right place. Awesome, man. Mr. Warner, thank you so much for your time, just being gracious and speaking with me and just answering all my questions. This was awesome. I appreciate it. Man, no, I appreciate, uh, appreciate you. I appreciate your attitude and your story. Can't wait to see, to see your movie. Uh, and I can't wait until we uh, connect in the future. You know, hopefully you'll be breaking pull-up records or something <laughs> when we ahead. see each other again. But, uh, but anyways, I'm always available. I love, uh, love talking to you. So keep doing what you're doing. And, and God bless you, brother. You as well, sir. You take care. Take care, pal. <laughs> wow. So many takeaways from today's talk with Kurt Warner. What really stood out to me was when he said, don't let your circumstances define you. We have to stay locked on our goals and not focused on our situations. We've all faced what feels like insurmountable odds. But like the saying goes, don't let your current situation determine your final destination. Perseverance is crucial. When you find yourself on that journey, remember, be patient and stay positive. When you reach your goal, and you will, you'll look back at the journey and all that you had to go through to get where you are and know it was worth it. Well, guys, that's it for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we look forward to bringing it to you for a long time. You can help by sharing this with family or friends that you think would enjoy it, talking about us on your socials, and of course, leaving us a positive review on iTunes or whatever platform you found us on. Today's episode is brought to you by Safe Streets, the leader in smart home security and automation and America's only ADT authorized provider. Safe Streets will help protect what you value most. To talk to an expert and get a free quote today, call 844-980-SAFE. That's 844-980-7233. The Unstoppable Podcast is a production of Anthony Robles Enterprises, LLC, in partnership with the Really Good Home Podcasts. I'd like to thank my editor, Laura Batista, producer Katie Pulatunoff, and my senior producer, Andy Frazier. Special thanks this episode to the NFL for footage of Kurt Warner's Super Bowl appearances that was featured in the Top 50 Super Bowl performances video that they posted to YouTube. I'm Anthony Robles signing off. Take care, everyone, and remember, be unstoppable.